Welcome back, folks. Another great episode with another great guest, Samuel Lee, zooming in all the way from beautiful Edmonton, Alberta. And Samuel and his lovely wife, Rachel, have been real estate investors since 2013, starting off with single-family homes and basement suites, moving up into multifamily properties, getting into property management, starting their own fund for investors and mutual funds, all sorts of stuff. So, Sam? Samuel, I'm sorry. <laughs> do you prefer Samuel or Sam? What do you like better? Uh, same. I, I, might Sam. Mix, <laughs> I, I yeah. might get mixed up and call you Sam from time to time. Welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thank you to have me. I'm so happy to be here and share our experience. Awesome. All right. So Samuel, what got you guys into real estate investing in the first place? Tell us a little bit about the, the backstory and the spark that got things going. I'm a little bit lucky. I have a very nice cousin introduced me into Rich Dad Proof Dad when I'm in university. At the time, I was year one and uh, I want to go to those expensive courses and my dad said no. So I do free part-time job, make my own way in after my graduation. That's how I go into real estate or from education myself to the industry. So you started investing in real estate right out right out of university or while you were going to university? No, I I have the educations in uh, I think in 2009ish and then we did not pull our trigger until 2013. Ah, uh, okay. And what did you take at university, Samuel? Uh, I graduated from a marketing business background, so uh -huh. um I I was a purchasing a purchaser for a HVAC company. Uh -huh. So I'm not too far away from the real estate industry. And that's kind of like roll me into why we do legal, uh, legal basement suite down the road as well. Very good. All right. So you started learning about real estate 2009. You didn't get started till 2013. What, looking back at it now, what was it that was holding you back? Uh, money. <laughs> we, take quite a, <laughs> we take quite a bit of time to save up money for our first purchase. Okay. Um, we spent quite a bit of money in education through the years. We, we were one of those that, hey, I need to learn everything before I put the trigger. Yeah. And so we spent two, three years with the Rich That program, oh. trying to uh, take a, a lot of courses. We're still doing a lot of self-education nowadays. I think that's the biggest gift I give to myself mm -hmm. <laughs> every year. And uh, But that's why we did not put the trigger right away. Makes sense. So was was your wife, Rachel, on board right from the very beginning, or did you kind of have to bring her on board as well? She she is. Uh, she is quite involved in the back end stuff, uh, taking care of the tenant and bookkeeping until we have three beautiful kids now. So and we scale up to enough that we are able to have her step down and hire the right people to uh, step in into her role. Oh, very nice. All right. So walk us through your real estate investing journey from... 2013 till now what what did you start with and what have you worked into we start with uh sweeter house in edmonton at that time our better market is not as fun as most of the other province so the only make sense product will be a sweeter house we will cash flow um in edmonton and i'm the guy that like to touch and feel it not really yeah. a big fan of uh, investing far away so that's how we start and I learned very fast in, uh, I'm a very geographic specialist. Uh, I have a very good education background from Rain, used to be Don Temple. Yeah. And I want to be the specialist. So we do one 
two, three, four, and then up until now, we have 14 suited houses. Wow, 14 suited houses all in a couple of different neighborhoods in Edmonton. Uh, it, that, it's not true too. Like we buy our first two in the north side of Edmonton and then we learn, okay, there's a lot of player, there's a lot of competition. And there's 10 years ago, there's a little pocket called Millwoods in Edmonton that no one doing Sweden House. I say, why don't I just copy the same model and go to be the first one in Millwood and then we develop our own specialty area and that's our niche in the area now. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Okay, well, that was smart. So you built up a portfolio of 14 suited houses, so 28 rental units altogether. What about the property management side of things? How did how did that develop for you? Yeah, we have like we are like the when we were the newbie, we hire a property manager and obviously the first year the experience is not so good. So I say, you know what? If I want to last on this industry, might as well learn the business. So we learn how to do the right thing on the property management. And then um, through the years, we just self-manage with our own portfolio and our JV portfolio. As it developed, a lot of friends come to say, hey, Sam, you're doing quite well. Can you help me find a tenant? Now become an actual legit business now. We get our license. Um, so we have our different way to do property management. Um, so I think that's one of the secret why we are able to survive through the downturn and up and down cycle in the uh, Alberta crazy time. Yeah. So how many how many properties do you have under management now? So this is where we are special. We don't manage any property. We are specialized on tenant placement. For me, our, in our property management, the biggest secret I can share with everyone today is that if you can keep a good relationship with your tenant, then a lot of things can be very easy and smooth for you. Mm. And what in our in our model, we find like every time when people hire a property manager, there's a separate layer. Now you don't have that relationship with the tenant. Mm. For us, by we just provide tenant placement service. Oh. On going forward, we take out the hardest part for the landlord. But the landlord just have to keep in touch with their tenant. We still provide a la carte support through the years for the tenancy. In the end of the day, I just need the landlord be the face. And then I always tell my client, like, if your tenant texts you, respond in 24 hours. You don't know the answer. It's okay. Just say, I got your message. I will get back to you. And just call me, right? We'll solve it, right? It's all about relationship. Okay. So you're focused primarily on tenant placement. Do you have a lot of landlord clients who are out of province people with with properties in Edmonton or are they mostly local? Uh, both. Uh, okay. Majority actually is out of town too uh, yeah. because they don't have the physical present. But yeah. you know, as, as interest rate go higher, people are really looking for a different service that just don't take out 10% or 12% per month, which make me very busy now because a lot of people are changing to like, like a hybrid model, right? The, the idea of my survey is if I find you a tenant and you treat them properly, next year you don't have to hire me because they will renew. Right, yeah. If I charge so, you so I guess the, the question would be, okay, I'm an out-of-province landlord. You've helped me place a good tenant. That's great. But now the hot water boiler bursts and we've got a little emergency going on there. I don't have the contacts. I don't. I don't know how to do, how can, how do you help your, your clients out that way? Yeah. Usually either my 
uh, client will just ask me for a plumber number or he say, Sam, can you take care for me? Then we just charge them a la carte by our service. And then we just send our plumber, make sure the tenant is happy, uh, the communication pieces come in. And we always tell the landlord too, and even the client, uh, the, the um, I call customer, our tenant, that we always just back up for the landlord, right? So if you cannot find your landlord, call us. I'm here, I'm in Edmonton, we have the team. Uh, if it's emergency, we always step in right away. Very cool. I like that, Samuel. That's that's uh, unique. It um, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because you guys help out with the hardest part, which is finding a really good quality tenant. You get them get them in the property, and then you're also a backup for that occasional thing that happens that you need some some help with that you can't as a landlord handle on your own for whatever reason you can you can be that back up there but you don't i don't have to be coming out of pocket every single month to pay this ongoing property management fee and on the other hand it simplifies your life as well because you're not responsible for all the nitpicky stuff that property managers should be doing like checking the smoke detectors and and all of this kind of stuff so you're able to keep your overhead down, you're able to focus on a few key areas. And, and so uh, I'm, th this is really interesting. You're the first guy I've, I've spoken to that's doing this. I'm also congratulations. So how does that work for you from a business standpoint? So more or less, how many landlord customers do you have that you're working with? How often on give or take on average, are you placing a new tenant? How often do you have those? Oh my God, I need a plumber 24 hours ago. Help me out, Sam. Those, those kind of calls. So what does that kind of look like for you from a business standpoint? Yeah. So actually it's a very cool question you asked because like <clears throat> if you think about the logic, it makes very, very best sense, but not a lot of people will do this. First of all, if a property manager manage 500 doors, right? Yeah. Guess what? Like if the furnace fell, usually it happens the same day. How many calls he can take, right? Right. If if the landlord is only managing their own doors, their response time is way faster than a regular property manager. That is number right. one. Number two is like I if I need to manage 500 doors, <clears throat> mostly that's my max already. But yeah. without that, I only do tenant placement. I move on. I, I only provide support as need, then yeah. I can serve more clients in that yeah. way. Plus right? you don't need staff, plus you don't need yeah. offices, you don't need all that overhead. It's yeah. very, very and, smart. Yeah. And it also come to when we find a tenant, we well, we, we do charge um, not cheap, right? But yeah. the idea is in long run, I want to save money for my client. I yeah. find you a good tenant, then you can keep them two years, my fee become half for you. If they skip for five years, one fifth for your fee, right? The the idea of charging 10% waiting for phone call don't ever align with me. That's why I never hire a PM for myself yeah. on, on my portfolio. That's why I jump into self-management. But the idea is like, especially as I mentioned to you, we get very busy now because people are looking way to cut costs to survive, yeah. to be honest, right? Yeah. And this is really in line with them rather than just 10% go out every month for waiting for phone call right so what what does your client roster look like like how many people are you are are calling you how many 
how many, give or take on a monthly basis, how many tenant placements do you do? We do. Well, so the, we've done this around the last two, three years. We've done around 300 plus. Wow. We do, depends on the month. Usually summer month is more crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's around average, I would say 25 a month here and there, plus my own portfolio. So we are doing quite okay. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. So you're placing about 25 tenants per month, you say? Yeah. Give and yeah, take that's a lot, out. man. That's a lot. That's a lot of placing. Very, very cool. And and how many on a, a monthly basis, what's your best guess on how many um, calls you might get for plug toilets and, and those kind of emergency one-off type calls? So this, another thing we very specialize on is our main uh, goal is to matching the right tenant to the right good landlord. Uh, we, we, we screen our landlord client too. So make sure they are the one that willing to upkeep, have a good product, yeah. attract the right people. And if you have a great product matching with a great tenant, the call is actually quite minimal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that's good. So so give or take, how many calls do you get? Well, it, it will be around maybe, honestly, here's the thing. I train my landlord client very well too. A lot yeah. of the time they get the plumber number, they don't even have yeah. to call me. Exactly. They just call the plumber directly, right? So and I would probably, say around- You've probably got a list of preferred vendors as well. And yeah, you I give do. that to your landlord and say, hey, if there's a plumbing issue, call this guy. If there's a roof issue, call this guy. If there's, yeah. I would say around 10-ish is a common like management side of question that we get. And then- if it's like for going to winter, uh, climate change, usually those will be higher volume because suddenly everyone furnace fell. Yeah, right? exactly. So it depends. Right? Very, very smart, Samuel. That is fantastic. And to give people an idea, um, what's your typical charge for placing a tenant? Is it like one month's rent kind of thing or, or how do you usually do it? Uh, it depends on, on the house and how much uh, the rent is. So mm -hmm. we have a st stepping scale. So it range around thirteen to sixteen hundred, depends mm -hmm. on what product you are work we are working with. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a minimum charge of uh, eleven hundred too, just mm -hmm. to cover our cost and time. So I'm not the cheapest one, but we do provide better service. Yeah, no, that's that is fantastic. That's a great business model. And so you come from a ba marketing background. I imagine a lot of your marketing is around finding good quality tenants. I do got my wife, Rachel, always say like, why you spend so many time on all these photos and the ad and everything, but that's everything where you start, right? You right. cannot sell a product if you don't have the right marketing tools or exposure. Mm -hmm. And that's how we are able to really lucky to become today. Now we have a lot of uh, tenant referral and also we are able to bounce tenant to different properties. So it, it just, works out quite well for us right now yeah yeah no that's really smart really really smart do you know if there are a number of other people doing this kind of tenant placement uh property management hybrid type business are there a lot of people doing this around around the country or are you aware not a lot that with a license there's a mm. lot of smaller scale that without license doing it in now whether mm. you're supposed to get a license to do property management activities um, we put ourselves in that position 
to be licensed because we want to be more legit. And there's too much yeah. scam outside right now. It's just, it's better to protect on tenant and the landlord too, right? No, it makes a lot of sense, Samuel. Well, that is great. So tell me a little bit about your your personal real estate investing portfolio. It sounds like you guys are starting to go from uh, suited single family homes into multifamily properties. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we jumped into multifamily maybe uh, two years ago or one and a half years ago. Uh, it's mainly is because the opportunity starting to, um, to show up themselves in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we didn't we did not go into multi in two thousand thirteen. Luckily, because from the ten years to today's, most of the price is even lower than ten wow. years ago. Yeah. But the the key on multifamily is they based on income. And we see it because I'm in the property management business. So I see the day-to-day trend on the income is going crazy. Uh, sorry, on the income on the rent is going up so much now in Alberta. So we know the opportunity is coming for multifamily. That's why we decided to do our job. Very good. And have you got some multifamily properties on the go now? Yeah, we have a 12 plaques uh, last year, and then we are closing a 36 unit next month. Congratulations. Well, actually, this month. Hey, that's awesome. That is very good. And and uh, I can recommend a good property management hybrid guy for you. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to him. All right. So Samuel, um, when it comes to the whole joint venture partners and raising capital side of things, kind of walk me through your, your journey there and what you guys are doing these days. Uh, we 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 done it all actually. We done uh-huh. you know the 50-50 joint venture deal. We done the shareholder deal. We're doing a real estate fund now with LPGP structure. So um, we learn through the process, and I think each one have a different advantage and disadvantage. It really depends on at that moment what fit the deal, right? So well, maybe maybe for people who haven't started doing any of them yet. Can you kind of give us a, just a very brief overview of, of each one of those and your pros and cons for each one? Yeah, for sure. Um, so 50-50 JV, or if you want to do 60-40, wherever you negotiate. Whatever it is, yeah. Uh, so those usually work very well in the beginning, right? Because when we were, like, we did not start joint venture until we have our six properties. We really know what we're doing. That's one of my things. I don't want to risk anyone money. I want to try it all out by myself. And yeah. then I invite a partner to join our journey. So when we find our uh, joint venture partner, uh, actually he come to me, I did not find him. Somehow he overheard my conversation and come say, hey, we should do something together. Mm-hmm. But the 50-50 worked very well in the beginning because like, I'm newer, they come in money, I do all the work, and then we do the birth strategy. I'm able to recycle his money to the next house, and we together now we have four houses together. Oh, wow, nice. So uh-huh. it worked very well in that sense. Yeah. Um, the only tricky thing about that for the JV 5051 is like you don't really actually get any income or anything like that. So you only have a you you share half of the house and you don't get the benefit until the end, right? Most likely. Well, because there's not much cash flow or what's the problem? Well, this is one of my um, my personal preference. Yeah. I specific choose a partner that don't care about cash flow because to me, I think this is the biggest lies in real estate is like cash flow can pay all your job or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, For yeah. me, cash flow is always reserve fund or either fund to build the next houses. Um, so I specific find a partner that say, 
I don't want cash flow. You don't, I, I need someone that don't need cash flow to put food on table. It's an investment. It's a long-term investment for you. And the goal is to grow four or five houses for you to build you a 2 million portfolio for your retirement. Ah, okay. So let me see if I understand that correctly. So your philosophy is buy the house with the joint venture partner, ideally do a burr, pull out the equity, go do another one. And whatever the cash flow is from each property, use that to pay off the mortgage faster, plus have a contingency fund or, or what, what are you doing there? We don't pay off. So we just build, build into the fund and then put it to the next houses, right? So we try to, so when we burn, so here's the thing about the burn. It's not always a perfect burn. You always right. start maybe 10%. So yeah. your pool gets smaller and smaller. So that's what the cash flow do. It build back up, right? And Got then it. we're able to buy the next one. With that, okay. So none of your own money into it. All the joint venture partners money in plus the cash flow coming from the two or three properties that you've community got together with that joint venture partner. Is that right? And then the goal is to get up to four or five houses with that one joint venture partner. And then what, Samuel? And then, then, then what do you yeah. do? Uh, then we just keep it as a long-term portfolio. Um, for, for what, do you, what do you do with the cash flow at that point? Then we will spend it at that point. Yeah. Then you'll spend it. You're not getting, you're not focused on paying down mortgages or ending up with free and clear houses at that point or so for in our joint venture agreement we actually specific say each house have to have ten thousand dollars reserve fund per house okay if we don't have that don't talk about cash flow the yeah. the the commitment when i tell my joint venture partner from day one i say is whatever money i took from you today is the money i'm all i'm going to take from you i'm not going to ask you for another time right but let me play with my magic. I want to build your portfolio with certain sizes. Yeah. And then don't talk to me in five years. Say, if you're not committed to five years, don't talk to me. But if you commit to at least five years, let's see where we go. Yeah. Let's and then you're using their, you're, you're using, you're recycling that capital plus maybe their credit to help purchase the next properties. Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah. Yeah. So basically okay. I'm using the mortgage ability to get up. That's why it's five. Usually yeah. kept out at five. Yeah. Uh, luckily, uh, we have two houses during COVID time. So we are able to do a perfect birth for two of those. Yeah. So we're able to actually quite uh, speed up a little bit to the, the fourth houses. Uh, we are standing still a little bit now on the fifth houses because of the changes of everything. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see where we land. So you got the, the one joint venture partner that you've kind of done that with, or have you done that with with more joint venture partners or just the one guy? We just, we've, we're done with just, one guy. There's uh, another one. We do two houses so far. Uh, um, so, but now we jump to more multifamily and the real estate fund side. So right. it make more sense to not continue this JV model for now. Yeah. If you're getting into bigger deals. All right, good. Thank you very much for explaining your JV model. That's very unique. I like it. Uh, the whole delayed gratification thing and helping your, your joint venture partner build up a significant portfolio over a number of years and, and no cash calls because you got the 10 grand contingency fund with each property. And, you know, then once, once you get everything stabilized, then you guys figure out what you're going to do, but very, very smart there. What was the second way of raising capital that you've explored prior to getting into the fund? So um, we've done the last year, the trial packs actually one and a half year ago, the trial packs we purchased, 
we purchase is a tripleplex. It's not big enough for the deal, so yeah. we do a shareholder, uh, uh, shareholder structure, right? So, so, so we, we purchased it in a corporation, correct? And yeah. your investors all came on board as as owners of the corporation shareholders. Yeah. How many investors did you bring on board for the twelveplex? So we bring on board five couples, five uh, parties. Yes, and then we raised six hundred thousand for that one point two million building from the five couples. From the five couples. Okay, yeah. very good. So another deal where you found the property, you managed everything, but one hundred percent OPM, other people's money. Is that correct? So how we work is yes, correct. It's other people's money. Yeah. I'm a little bit lucky. We just scale up because renovation is through the fourteen years, uh, fourteen houses that we've done. We just scale up to. Brewing apartment building now, basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 a lot of my joint venture partner is actually my existing property management tenant placement client. I'm sure. So we have a certain relationship already, yeah. and they know how I roll. They see my portfolio, so it's very easy for them to just jump on board as a shareholder. Yeah, yeah, that's very very smart. Okay, cool. And now, what are you focusing on now, Samuel? So we decide to. Go bigger because we find out the bigger actually is better on economic of scale. We can uh, pull more resource together. It's easier. That's why we jump into the real estate fund model now. And then our main goal is to do bigger uh, deal like a 36 unit uh, apartment building this month. Okay. So for folks that are going, holy smokes, real estate fund, what are you, a REIT? Don't you have to have mega millions of dollars to do this kind of stuff? Maybe maybe walk us through what your thoughts are about that. Give us an idea of how much it it costs to put together a fund because it must be I haven't done it before, but I've I've talked with other people who have, and it can be very very expensive to do this. So maybe kind of walk us through that. It is very expensive. Um, so to answer your question properly, it depends on how wh- what yeah. you're doing, right? Yeah. Um, it's very expensive and. Why would I do it? I actually do it for a mission. One of my things in my life, in my mission is I want to touch more lives where people can enjoy the benefit of real estate without changing the toilet or dealing with crazy tenants. Yeah. I try really hard to get my family and friends to understand this real estate game and try to join venture or shareholder together. It won't land properly for them because they just, no interest in real estate hmm. so that's why we decide to go into the fund model so that now the smaller p- uh, player can participate in the fund and still can ride on the benefit of real estate without knowing anything right so this is why we move it to that uh, side of the business uh, in our deal usually a lpgp is more than enough yeah. we go into the fund model is because Another thing drives me crazy is like a lot of my friends and family, they um, register fund have very bad result. And yeah. a mutual fund trust, that's our trust fund, able to provide the opportunity for them to deploy the uh, register fund into a, uh, into in use for better return. Wow. Yeah, that's that is idea. fantastic. So Samuel, maybe give it, it sounds like it's probably a fairly complex and expensive thing to set up can you give us an idea of ballpark figures how much this costs to set up 
how long it took to set up. Did you have to get anything like an exempt market dealer thing going? Did you have to become a financial planner to be able to sell people into these funds? How does how does that all work? Yeah, so I will be completely honest. This is a new adventure for us. We just set it up like maybe yeah. two months ago. But it sounds like you're a guy that does a lot of research. So I think you probably got a pretty <laughs> good idea. Yeah, oh. so... So to answer your question, yes, you do need to have a EMD involved. And then our fund, mutual fund trust is a solo fund for solo project. So it's not like when you go to boardwalk, you put into a fund, they have like 10 buildings, right? So it's a solo fund for specific project use. And then our mutual fund trust mainly, um, the, you can do the whole deal with just LPGP. But yeah. if you want to leverage the registered fund, this is where the mutual fund trust play in. And uh, yeah, yeah, because with the LPGP, you can't really use registered funds that way, correct? That's correct. The, that's the big yeah. challenge, right? They have to come in with liquid cash, not their yeah. retirement funds. Um, yeah. So, okay. So if I'm understanding you correctly, with this particular one that you've got on the go now, it's for one deal. It's for this 36 unit building that you're, that you're doing is that correct so each offer is a solo uh unique class that only for one purpose it can be a real estate it can be an app or whatever business for us obviously it's real estate because that's my that's my thing right right so let's say when i buy another building we'll issue a separate unit in the trust fund oh i see but you, you don't fund. have to do a whole new fund and a whole new no. trust fund you it's just a separate each thing has its own correct each property has its own yeah. whatever what it yeah so so it, they call it uh units it uni units uh, units right okay. uh, uh trust fund units right so they don't affect each other okay very cool so for the property the 36 unit property that you're working on now uh how many units are you going to be selling for that what does that kind of look like so the unit is based on how much fund you are raising yeah. and what are you offering uh, am I supposed to go through the details? Can I? Can well, I I'm just through? curious. Yeah, I've, okay. I've never. Yeah, so we're not trying to offer. sell it here. I'm just trying yeah. to explain it, understand how it works. Depends on your offer. Let's say you're raising ten dollars, then you you are selling ten units, right? Mm -hmm. The the idea is like we we do it specifically. I like this product is because we do bird project in a thirty six unit. It involves a lot. Of, first part is like two years stable stabilization. Yeah. And then the second part will be like a five to 10 years holding long-term. Mm -hmm. the, the, the thing we find from Umaster is like, not everyone want to take, uh, uh, take um, participate for the full seven years. Right. So what we do is we're able to start a unit B um, to just offer as a loan to the project during the stabilization period for a fixed return. And when the asset is stabilized, then we can issue a unit C for ownership purpose. So we okay. provide flexibility for tenant, uh, for, for investor that they can participate either just the renovation and carry on so the true. upside yeah. or the long-term or both, right? So uh, we choose to go into that model. That's part of the reason because of the flexibility for the investor. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So you actually have several different units with the same deal depending on what the money is going to be used for and how long it's going to be deployed. Correct. And now, are you getting any, uh, in a, so you're raising capital to do this deal. Are you also getting bank financing on this property? 
Correct. in addition to that yeah we do have a construction loan for the um for to purchase the deal the mm -hmm. fund that we raise mainly is for either down payment operation fund or serving the interest and all the all the everything need to bring bring to the uh two years refinancing with cmxc yeah wow that's a big learning curve my friend that that must be uh, it must be a whole new thing for you how how's it going with that uh, we are, so there's a lot of, well, here's another thing why we decided to go there because it's, so here's the thing. Nowadays, there's a lot of uh, crazy thing going on on the uh, private lending world and you know you, you should know already. Mm -hmm. So we really make a commitment, say, I want to do stuff legitly, right? So yeah. that's why the mutual fund trust really provide me the legit way to raise money without I getting into trouble, you getting into trouble. And for us to get this offer out, oh my God, like there's so many layer of I can't like even imagine. Yeah. yeah. How, how many months did it take you to get everything set up? And must it's have taken... around, like until now, it's around six months now yeah. for us to get everything really growing and yeah. able to go. <laughs> it, it takes a while. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah. No, congratulate. Hats off to you for doing that. Um, Last person I talked to who started a fund, I think, I think it it cost them like sixty or eighty thousand dollars in upfront fees and and stuff like that, just to get everything set up and lawyers and and the whole bit. So it ain't cheap, and and a lot of work involved with that. Yeah, excellent. Well, congratulations for that, Sam. And uh, as far as raising capital within the fund, has that been fairly straightforward, or do you now have to kind of show financial planners and asset managers is is that your target market now or are you going direct to consumer so as of this point because we just start and then we have a lot of learning curve yeah, too. I guess. so we did not go the and the deal size is not big enough this is the biggest thing like if you're listening really think oh i should start a fund too right if your mm -hmm. deal size is not big enough it's very difficult to support the structure um for our deal size for the first one i have intend to do more that's why i don't mind yeah. to pay out pocket for the fund to create but in the end of the day um the deal size for us right now is a little bit smaller for the first one so we did not go the full uh full way go to the offer momentum so we're only working with a credit investor uh, i'm very blessing a lot of my client is a credit investor and already come in on the oh, fund perfect. so it's not that difficult to find uh, the first deal fund but eventually as we expand we definitely want to achieve what i really want to do is like open to more people that is smaller that can come in and enjoy the ride yeah smart holy smokes time flies when we're having fun here samuel if people want to connect with you and find out more where should they go um so definitely they can reach me out at uh hello at uh investwithrasa.ca so investwithrasa.ca hello at investwithrasa.ca yeah so i'll uh, maybe find me on facebook samuel lead i'm very active on facebook sharing on this stuff excellent well congratulations and on everything you and your family have accomplished you're a very smart and busy guy i love uh, your whole property management model. I think that is just brilliant. And I really appreciate you kind of sharing the the pros and the cons of the, the three different strategies you've used for raising capital so far in your career and, and kind of unwrapping 
this whole mutual fund trust thing uh, for us as well, Simon. So thank you very much. It's been a great interview. Thank you so much, Dave. I'm happy to be here sharing. Thank you. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode.